talk about environment nutrition lifestyle load triggering chronic disease and the one thing that we don't talk about much here is acute care you know genetic conditions meaning that all of what we try and resolve we believe can be prevented chronic conditions diabetes cholesterolemia for example a lot of female hormone issues but there's some conditions that are genetically rooted meaning that they're going to happen this isn't what we deal with or what I, I claim to know much about but our healthcare system, I have to say, does an amazing job of this. This is part of the problem where because we have such an amazing, the best our, our, you know, our civilization has ever seen, the best acute care response, you break your arm, you have a terminal condition, you go to the hospital, they're going to take care of you like never before. We've never been able to do it like we do it now. The technology exists. That toolkit is then applied to chronic disease, and that's where we have a bit of a failure where it shouldn't be a reactive, responsive uh, you know, narrative. It should be more about prevention and wellness. Meanwhile, there's really good work being done in our hospitals in North America in terms of acute care and genetic conditions. Goldman Sachs says that, you know, genetic uh, therapies and genetic therapeutics are going to be a $4.8 trillion industry by 2030, which outweighs the entire healthcare industry, which is $4 trillion as a whole right now. And I'm speaking about American terms. So today we, we have with us Taimaz Bagbani, incredible story specifically in what we rarely ever get to talk about or rarely meet people about the acute conditions that they're they're happening you know whether it comes to environment nutrition lifestyle it's there it's happening and you have to deal with it and you struggle and then you have guys like time as that go through this and come out the other end and you wonder how did they make this happen so first of all welcome to the show no thank you for having me man excited to be on yeah it's awesome so you're now you know embarking on your new career as a musician but what people don't know about you is that you're 24 years old and you've already battled cancer three times. Yes, three time leukemia AML survivor. Leukemia. Two bone marrow transplants too. It was that done all here in Canada? Yeah, all at the kids. Yeah. So when was the first time uh, you had an, an issue? So I was first diagnosed when I was 11 with leukemia when I was grade seven summer. And then uh, I just was training like how I usually train and then and then I just always was one of the most fit people on the team and stuff like that. And then I just noticed that in the physical sessions uh, that we were doing, I would start falling back more. And then just through mother's intuition, she just noticed something a little off. And I would just have bruises, but I just always thought I'm an athlete, athletic kid. I just always would get bruises. We went for a blood test, and I basically had, like, no cells left when I was training. So, like, and then that's when they took me for that, and they told me I had a... Uh, Leukemia. And how long did it take to get from like I'm not feeling right, I'm going to the doctor to you're diagnosed? That was like within a week. Within a week. Yeah. And when did the treatment start? Right away. Right away. Yeah. So you were put into sick kids, and I, I can imagine the family must have just been destroyed. You know, mm -hmm. star athlete, 11 years old, all of a sudden, you know. So what when so you get into the treatment, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit. In your teens. You got back to it. You were a star player. You actually flew to Europe yeah. to play. And this was after, was it one or two bouts? Two. Two. Then it happened again, a third time. Yeah, while right? I was there. While you were in Spain. Yeah. So what happened? You got flown back to Canada or? Yeah, so basically I was there and then I just like always, that's why 
and your platelets are low, you don't know you bruise easily. So like that's so you how, already recognize the so signs. So that's always whenever yeah. that's the only thing that ever really made me nervous was like the bruises and stuff. Yeah. So I'm like running up the hill every day by myself in Spain and I'm getting more tired and more tired. It's not like making sense to me. Like I'm training so hard. I'm supposed to get stronger and stronger. It's opposites happening. And then uh so then I went I did a blood test there and they're like, Yeah, you could just get internal bleeding from a header. The your cells were so low. So then uh they went there, they said stay in the hospital, you can't go to training. My mom came straight there from here Toronto to Spain picked me up and we went straight from the hospital in Spain to the airport to hospital here that's insane and in that journey you know so you're you're with your team you're in Spain what was your intention what did you think forget about your you got sick in Spain what was your goal in Spain was soccer your future that was my life that's the reason I'm here today it's like that's that's all I did all I thought about as a kid all I wanted to be was just I, I was lucky. I had my, I found my passion, my calling at a young age. You know, I started at five, and I just put my whole life in there. And that's whenever I got sick, I would train while I was like in the hospital. Like my dad would hold my IV pole. I'd bring cones, dribble in the in hallway. In the hospital. Yeah, while I'm getting chemo, everything, just to not lose as much time. Like, cause every time I would go in, it's like you might be sto- stolen, but like when you're like in a f- frozen in that moment, it's like there's everyone else is progressing and everyone's getting better. So like. I was getting double the fallback, so then it's just like just try to stay. That's really was all my my thoughts was staying at the highest level. You just focus on getting better and getting back to soccer. Yeah, yeah. And in that, I mean, we we all you know when it comes to certain cancers, or we kind of know why. You know, there's hormonal issues, there's maybe environmental exposures, and then you know what to deal with. And what you have, it's kind of like why did this happen to me? And this is where a lot of people say that one of the biggest things that gets you out of it is the willpower. You know, the struggle. 100%. Yeah, like, still to this day, no doctor can really tell me why this happened or really no underlying conditions, not family history in this disease. And, like, it's just, yeah, it's just the will. It's just, like how I said, um, I never thought that I would die, so that's why I didn't. So how? what did the doctors tell you? Did they tell you you were never going to die or that you are going to? Yeah, when I, when I went, came back from Spain, they gave me six months. They didn't want to give me the treatments. They said, just no kidding. Do, do more harm than good. And then me and my mom like fought with the board with me, got me the treatments. We got another bone marrow transplant, total body radiation. Uh, another so you six were told months. not to even try. Yeah, I was six months to live. Six months they gave me. Wow. And then they, when I beat it all, uh, is when I was like, I don't know if you want to go to there. It's like when I got my second bone marrow is when I put me in the wheelchair and with chronic graft-for-host disease, a whole new disease. So this is something that. You know, people don't realize when it comes to treat. You hear about call it side effects, you know, but you what you had is very different than a side. You literally spent the next what was it five six years yeah. in a wheelchair, right? Yeah. And this is not because of the cancer. This is because the, so describe that because you were telling me about it earlier and it blew my mind. So basically, the thing that actually cured the cancer is what does that. So this is a transplant. So basically, you know, when you get a transplant from somebody else's, that's why they try to get a match as close as possible. So, and there was nobody, and so it was an unrelated donor uh, also because nobody in my family was a match. So when I got the bone marrow transplant, and your bone marrow is your cell factory. That's where all your cells are made and transition. Your cells is everywhere in your body. So then when I got the, your body, my body basically just went to war with itself. Because, like, they want that. They want a little bit of graft, what they call graft versus host disease. So, like, you versus the graft is the transplant, and you're the host. And they go so that they could see that it attacks the cancer. And that it's like going against the body, but it just inflamed and got out of their control. So basically, there you know one one side had to win, and the wrong side won. And it won got out too of control. hard. It yeah. won too much. Like it just basically like 
like they want a good little tiny little battle yeah. but basically they just like nuked it so your body then got out of control so the the cancer was eliminated but you've now had a whole other disease to deal with which put you in a wheelchair and what was that like and that was like the worst like i always say i'd rather have gotten cancer again than that because like i could always uh get back to soccer i always have my body back because cancer is like you go and you deal with it but then you can get back to like nobody came in and know that you were sick like well with me that was the case like right i was going back to soccer but this is like it affected like my body like i couldn't play and that's what like getting me stuck in a bed and just a lot of a lot of things you know and so you you were saying that uh you know the wheelchair wasn't just like weakness or you're knocked out but literally your your skin had issues your body had issues yeah level four contractions so basically all my joints were stuck in rigid positions that was like the problem and the skin got so tight and everything that just like that the the range of motion was like gone in all my joints and i had to find specialists like from out of the country even here they told me you should be like happy or alive the best doctors in the world you that like walking again is like impossible like should be grave you're just you're alive is a miracle and i said that's not what i did it for you know it's like i have bigger goals i have bigger plans i didn't go through all this just to fall short here and then so i pushed through it and we found we went met a doctor in iran from uh, russia that had a conference there it's a new surgery called elizarov it's like an old surgery they invented like seven years ago it's like kind of looks like i don't know if you remember force gump how he had those things on his yeah, legs yeah, yeah yeah but like it's like go straight into the bone like eight inch screws so on each things like that so then my knees were stuck like in a bent position so every day with the wrench you would turn like this 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 to get a millimeter every day and over a year, I did each leg. So you were permanently like in the wheelchair position, yeah, like in a seated position. I couldn't stand anything like nothing. So what? Well, literally, there was just no range at all. No range. Imagine okay. like even you, if you um break your arm and you just keep it like this for yeah. like a year, it's gonna get stuck like this until right year things. And then imagine having the skin and all these things on it. It's just the rings, range of motion is gonna get very tough and tough. It's like body. So then I had to basically break my body to build it again, literally. So the screws were put into the bone. Mm-hmm. And that process of opening it up, like that, adding the sort of tension of a millimeter or centimeter as you go along, how long did that take? Each leg about a year. Each leg. Oh, so they were done separately? Yeah, yeah. It's too much to do at one because, like, you still have to, like, be able Because this, this is, like, you, you're, like, out. You're not functioning when you have that. Your leg is just stuck like this. Imagine, like, right. you can't do nothing, really. So you're in this frame, the li- literally, the, you're carrying this massive frame around with you everywhere yeah, you go. Yeah. So that must have been a load on your family, taking care of you and. It was a, it's been a long process to get to this point so yeah and you were out of the wheelchair within the last what what time about a year like ago? 2020 summer yeah oh so wow so just recently yeah yeah i got back fully independent driving now got my own car like doing everything that's incredible man so your story i mean there it could have gone in any direction meaning that first of all it started at 11 right when you were 11 what did they tell you in terms of prognosis how serious was it well, like, I'm sure, like, like they're telling my mom, like, like I'm still only 11, too, so it's, like, kind of hard to take in everything that's happening, like, but I was, like, always a smart kid, but it's, like, I, you hear cancer and stuff like that, and it's just, like, but just to me, like, I'm just, like, I don't know, I have a different mentality, it's just, like, I can't picture myself going out, or, yeah. like, stuff, like, just beating me that I can't really even see, like, you know? Yeah. It's something you're fighting that you can't even see, and then it's just, like, so I'm sure that the, those kind of talks, like, of course, there's like, they give you the chances, like, you're fighting for your life, but, like, it's more, like, I think they deal with the period, because I'm only 11 at that age, too. 11. And then the second time was what age? I was about 14, 15, yeah. And the third time was what age? 
like within a year after, so like 15, 16. 15, 16. So there's a bit of a gap in between and everyone felt comfortable like you beat this thing yeah, when it came back. Yeah, that's what they even say like with cancers, like if you can do it for like two years, you're like in the, in the clear. clear, you know? Yeah. And then like two and a half years when I got my first relapse and then 10 months after that, I moved to Spain and then with like two months in Spain, is I relapsed for a third time. Wow. And so the work you did in Iran, how did you end up getting to Iran and discovering this uh, this therapy? So one of the residents at Sekids, they were like saying, uh, when they were saying nothing to me, my mom were going to like every physio doctor here, just trying to look for everything. I was doing laser, like any hyperbaric oxygen chamber. This is while you were in the wheelchair. This is all that. So you were in the wheelchair trying to figure out how do I get out of this? And like mainly I had to make my skin better first too, to be right. able to be able to get like, I had, there were some people they were saying they could do uh, surgeries, but like they were saying like the skin is so like, it's not even in the, shape to be able it's to take it it's very brittle and it's yeah, hard it's to yeah it's just like that so i had to i was doing like hyperbaric oxygen laser treatments to try to get my that thankfully my skin got better like my skin was really bad you know and then i got everything better so then i got my skin better and then i just worked on that worked on that and i got my body to a point where i could be ready for surgeries well yeah for the resident doctor so basically i don't know in montreal they have a orthopedic hospital called shriners for children right and he did like his residency there and he said it's just basically for orthopedics but they they said maybe you could try this from there and then we met a doctor there and then the doctor the surgery i was talking about in russia they performed there in montreal in montreal yeah. also so um uh, so the tie-in went around you didn't actually go there i did but i that was just to like to meet the doctor to meet get the, and the, get the and sense of the surgery to montreal too. and then we found out that like they could perform it here in montreal right so I think so. What some people may not be familiar with the condition that you're talking about, when it comes to the skin, it's not like just tight or rigid. It's equivalent to like being burnt. Yeah, it's like fourth degree burns everywhere, like from thing. Like they they told me I was gonna like I had to change my dressings under anesthetic every week. They told me I was gonna die from infection just from that. Too. From infections. Just because like they're saying your skin's just gonna keep breaking apart and breaking apart to like you know there's no because your skin is your first layer of defense too to yeah. all like uh, things so like. It's tough, you know, like, and it's like level four is like your skin and then it's your scar tissue, then it's your muscles. So all that got affected. You know? So the skin is healed now. Yeah, 100 percent. Right. It doesn't seem like there's anything like a burn or the, the tightness or I just have still like tightness in my like skin. So it's not 100 percent, but like everything's functional, you know. OK. And so you've now shifted gears. And as a person that strives and drives, you're now entering a music career. Yeah. And when did that start? So when I couldn't play soccer anymore and I was in the hospital doing really bad, I got into like uh, music a lot, heavy. And because that could, it, music can hit you differently when you're going through things, you know? Like I could relate to some stuff. And it's just like, I feel like it's like a even playing field finally that I'm in, you know? Like, because right. soccer, I was always at a disadvantage. I was competing at the highest levels, but like my physical would always send me back because I had to deal with like, I'll do so good as soon as I would get back up. I'll get sick again and come back down and have to build myself up again and everything. Right. And then the music is like, everyone, you know, it's like, it's just talent. It's not, it's a lot of politics, but it's like, you know, you can have it. So I also have my next single coming out, Biggie with the Faith, on November 26th. It's in my Instagram. You can save it, pre-save in the link in bio. So yeah, music, I just naturally fell in love with it when I couldn't play anymore. It was a way for me to be competitive to get my my juices out and stuff like that that's awesome and now that you're sort of embarked on the next phase of your life what are you doing in terms of 
So you, the one thing we talked about was that uh, earlier on when we first met was you still don't know why, right? Uh, and your mother's a nutritionist, so she's has sort of an interesting mindset in terms of how she thinks about health. What are what are you doing in terms of? I, I understand that you may not know specifically what to do, like what the cause is. Has anything else changed in terms of what you do with you know lifestyle environment? I just try to be like, I'm like through a lot of hard work. Actually, like I was on a lot of painkillers and everything. There was like for a long time they were like pumping me with that stuff. And through a lot of willpower, I was able to, thankfully, I'm like on zero medication right now. So I'm like 100% of myself. And then I just try to like, I know what makes me happy, like exercise, just stuff like that. And then it's just like trying to keep your mind in a good place because your body just follows whatever your mind is at too. Right. That's, I mean, it's awesome you're able to do that and able to preach that. I don't know if you, during this time, I'm sure you were seeing other kids because of where you were and the doctors that were dealing with you was this a common thread or was it did you find more difficulty with other families it was there a difference in the approach and did that cause a difference in the outcome did you see any of that like with other cancer patients kids yeah some of saying? the other kids you may have seen or families even and how they dealt with things i think you know when uh, situations like this arise everyone like you don't really know how you're going to deal with it till you're put into them so then um but yeah, I feel like everyone deals with it differently. Like, to be honest, like in my situation, I, I've met a lot of, but I'm like the first, first of like to be in mine and to come out and to be walking. Like, I don't even think medically has been done before, to be honest. Like, really? Yeah. Like three times, two bone marrow transplants, chronic graft-for-souls disease, come out of everything, no medication, be able to walk, run around. Like, I don't, I don't it's think. It's unheard of. Yeah. So, and how long have you been off of medication now? Now I'm about like five, six months. And that's the first time since, well, I guess you were in remission time. for a few years. Yeah, but even when, when I was 11. in, rem- like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was never really on that. Like, I was get back to regular life, but like, since the last one, you know, like 15, 16. Yeah, so you've been literally in treatment for seven, eight years. Yeah. That's incredible. It's hydromorphine, everything. You know? Yeah. Wow. So now as you move forward, I, I understand that, um, you know, a lot of people know your story right you're the only person that we know of medically that has done what you've done come out the other end is there anything in terms of i understand your music career is launching and that's important to you and you learned it and it was part of your healing process right this message you have and what you did which defeats what you know medical thinks about what the human body is capable of how do you share that with people how do you get that out there what I'm trying to, like, I would say just, like, getting on platforms like yours and just speaking with more people. I think through the music, it's just people, like, I'm trying to work on a, maybe writing a book or, uh, but more of, like, my, through my music, I talk about my story, too. It's just, if you follow me on my platforms, at time as 9, T-Y-M-A-Z, number 9 on Instagram, Facebook, everything, like, I'm pretty transparent about my life and what I'm doing. It's just... And also, like, if anybody has any opportunities for me, I'm willing to, yeah. you know, <laughs> reach out. I'm, I'm here, you know. I'm here for a reason. I feel, and like, and I've got a reason to do these things. I'm doing. Has there been any follow up from the medical community, like wanting to know more about you and how you? Because you have these doctors that told you multiple times that this is not possible. This is not possible. This is not possible. And every single time you came out the other end, you, I made you made it happen. So, is there any other work or research being done with you or? 
Not really, to be honest. Like, after, like, I got, like, I haven't really, I don't see the doctors too much. I didn't, I mainly, I did it, like, when they gave up on me, like, I kind of, like, pushed away and I did it all myself mm-hmm. at home and most of my things and private kind of, like, stuff. But, yeah, I'm open now that I'm here. Like, sure, I'm, like, I know how I did it, but I don't, <laughs> too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it would be interested to, like, and especially I'm, I'm here to help too like if like for future generations like there's a lot of possibilities if with this like how i feel yeah so the the one thing that people ask about in this type of scenario which it seems like you've been able to push through really hard is the sort of mental health load that comes after because there's one thing to deal with the pain the struggle the shock even the ptsd uh years in a wheelchair forget about okay i've beaten cancer now now I have a new disease that's completely made me immobile, right? Which you don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. But you seem to be pretty solid up here. Right? Yeah, like I still have, everybody has their battles, everybody has their demons. But like, I'm in a good position now, but I still have my things. But it's just finding like the right outlets to put them out through. And then you learn that when you're... I've spent, like, when they say isolation, like, I was really isolated. I have spent a lot of time alone, you know? Right. Years and years and years, like, alone, alone. Like, even my mom wanted to see me when I was getting my transplant. She'll wear a hazmat suit to come in my room, like. Right. I was, like, zero, zero. So, like, you learn a lot about yourself and what you can do. So, like, I would just say focus on the whatever you can enjoy and, like, in your passions and just dive deep into those, you know? And did you have times where... You felt like this isn't going to work? Like, I never thought I would die. I always, I didn't know if it was going to work, but I was going to give my all to find out if it was going to work. So, like, you know, just with that mindset and just like that with this music thing, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm giving my all to see it. And I feel I believe in myself and my talent just the way, same way I believed in my body and my mind. Yeah. So even when you were told there's no treatment for you, you know, six months, we're not even going to bother trying. I just, that's like, I always feel like I'm the outlier to the rules. Like, it's like they make like things for these, but I, I'm i like, yeah, but you don't know time as, you know? Yeah. I can do like, I'll push, put me in the deep waters, I'm float. You know? Yeah. This is, you know, an area where we see over and over again the attitude of resilience and who actually makes it through. And it's not just attitude in terms of like, let's make a conscious decision. Like I, I'm going to make it happen. And that allows you to then start to do the things, right? You have to decide first. It's also you, your, your body sort of, uh, the cells communicate to each other. So what you're thinking, what you're feeling, the emotions, you know, uh, the belief, even your words and the energy that you put out there, right? When you, when you're speaking, uh, you're not just speaking to the people listening, you're speaking to the own cells of your body whether it's through vibration through transfer of energy through belief and what that does to your system so this is where that phenomenon of the person who you know believes hard and pushes hard you look at lance armstrong and he had a very similar situation to yours not the multiple occurrences but the prognosis it was like there's no way you're getting through this mm-hmm. but you have a, a you know a, a champion multiple time champion who just has that mindset of no i, I got to figure out how to win right and then we see that in you and that's awesome so anything you can speak about in terms of when it comes to the the lower or the trauma 
of being told multiple times over and over it's not just once and you beat it but there was multiple times where no it's it's worse and it seemed like it got worse every time mm-hmm. how do you deal with that load of negativity and push through and kind of stick to your beliefs um well i would like a thousand percent agree with everything you just said and the the mind like and the cells have a very to- close bond and whatever the the mind is sending out your body is going to respond to and that's like how i feel like i got through that like it's like not what other people think of you it's mainly it's like that's what they say it's more important what you look in the mirror and what you think of yourself and what you can do like that's what really sets your limitations in this world so like when i would do that i would see like every time would get harder and harder and just like it's like you could either say oh my god why is this happening or you can be like these challenges are made just for me because i'm like the strongest and i can do them you know and I just had that, and then I was lucky I had soccer at the time to always fall back on and, like, push for my goals, and now I have my music. And it's just, you have to, you can't, like, you've got to live in the now, but you got to realize it's not, everything's not going to be in the now, too. Hmm. So, uh, so you're living for, so the now is the thing you got to deal with, but you're living for the future. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like, living for, like, you know, in your brain is the reason, like, you go to night like I can't tell you what you think of in your night or what makes you happy or what you do, but you know that yourself and you know like just keep those in your thing. There's things that will like try to defer the track towards that, but like yeah, like you just gotta keep it in the goal like that. It's like I can't like I can't really even explain to you too much of like how I stayed so like positive. Like I really think it's like it was just like inst- instinct instincts and like. Really, soccer and music is what brought me. Like, yeah, and when you were in the hospital, practicing with your cones in the hallway, were they? Did you get support, or were they telling you you got to rest? Your your body can't handle this. No, like even when like they can't really. T- when you're in that situation, like they're not they're just trying to like that situation. They're just making you comfortable with that when you're in that those kind of situations, and like that's like good, you know. It's like because then like we, I'm still a kid at that time, but they know that like. For him to oh he still wants to play soccer while he's going through all this like it's like it's healing mechanisms too involved yeah. in that so yeah. i don't think they would be too so how much work have you done in terms of trying to figure out why this happened like not too much to be honest like I'm not too sure how much like i can too you know yeah like well, they like, just happened and it's dealt with you know it's interesting that we find that uh, there's been people we dealt with that are very resilient like, your, like yourself. And because the focus and you need that brain power in terms of next step, outcome, my, my goal is to heal. And the why or, you know, not, not only the why, why did it happen, why did it happen to me? You find in the people who are resilient, they're not even asking that question. Because it's just, what's the next step? Okay, this is happening. What are we going to do about it, right? So I've, we've seen that over and over again. People like yourself who just who push through, win. It's, it, you don't take the time to even look at them because you're not concerned. You're concerned with how do I do this now? What's, what's the next step? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And now, but now the time to, you're, you're now in a position where you're sort of healed, you're in remission, and you're, you've fought this thing three times, and it's been, you know, many years now. Now you can start to ask those questions because you're done with the struggle. 
right? Yeah. I understand there's some physical healing still, like you still have some challenges. Yeah, I'm just getting, I'm getting stronger every day. It's just like now it's just like getting my body back. But, you know, thankfully everything else passed. Do you think you'll ever be able to play soccer or be athletic again? Like, to be honest, right now, in this state right now, I'm still killing all these dudes, even in basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I can do more keep-ups than all of them, too. Like, my touch and skill is still there. It's just the, like, can't run as fast. That's the only thing. Like, if I could run like that, then, like, I could be playing professional right now. Yeah, you got the skill. It's literally just the physical limitation. Yeah, yeah. The skills there, brain's Shooting hardwired threes, to win. everything, yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm in tune with my body, you know? Yeah. Like, in, even all sports and stuff like that. Yeah. So, in terms of the work you did with your mother... I understand she's a nutritionist, right? Yeah, she studied nursing back home, and then she did nutrition when she came here. So has there been any work that she's... I, I, I mean, first of all, the support for the 10-plus years, you know, that's a challenge for any parent to have to deal with that, first of all. But second, to work with you, I'm sure genetically she's wired very similar to you up here, <laughs> where she just kind of fights through it and doesn't worry about it. Um, how much did she help in this whole thing? Like, what was the she, her role? Yeah, man, I wouldn't be here without her, 100%. Yeah, not one day I was in the hospital. She wasn't there over the ten years. Like every treatment, her knowledge, her love, care. So that must have been a financial strain too, because she's not working. Hundred percent. Yeah, she couldn't work for a long time, and then just we had a couple of fundraising events and stuff like that over the yeah. times, and then just like yeah, we like we just there was a lot of a lot of adversities we had to overcome to get to this point. So she's back to work now and. Uh, she's not working She's older now too Like now we're like More comfortable and stuff like that She didn't work for a long time But She's, she's doing her own thing She has her Keeps herself busy We keep herself busy Yeah And did you have an extended family Here in Toronto Or is everybody back home? No yeah My parents are actually refugees too So like Oh you're kidding here. And then like we're the, They're the only ones that came here Like never had like a blood So it was uncle. your mom on her own Yeah my dad's here too but. Oh wow So your mom and your dad On their own Fighting through this Yeah no support that's extremely challenging no grandparents uncles aunts nothing yeah yeah and did you have you been back home to, to meet anybody since then so like when i went to meet that doctor from iran was the first time i went to iran oh you're kidding yeah so they all met me like for the first time when i was in like <clears throat> a wheelchair and stuff like too so it was like kind of like that and when i went there i was not in the best shape to do that that's unbelievable yeah yeah so the first time you met your grandmother uncles everybody i was like in the worst shape of my life yeah what yeah. city were they in like tehran shiraz oh so right in the capital yeah yeah that's incredible and so your parents came here when was that it's like all over like 25 years maybe 25 so they came time. as refugees they set up themselves up and beautiful son is born star soccer player yeah then they hit the struggle of their life yeah it's crazy that's incredible man but it seems like you guys are all wired to win no me and my mom are different for sure my yeah mom especially yeah. So I'd ask you, I mean, is there any words you want to mention to anybody? Okay, I'm sure that everybody is floored by your story and everybody's probably inspired by your your big win. Anything you think people, people should know? I would just say, um, like when they say impossible is nothing, like if you're like passionate about something, you put in the hours and you're dedicated like, you really can get anything you want done in this life. There's really, like, no excuses, to be honest, if I'm, like, being straight up with you guys. And, like, it's just, like, that's why I say passion is, like, I use that word a lot in this interview, but it's so important because that's, like, what drives everything in your daily, like, for you to wake up out of bed when you want to be. If you want to find the discipline, you got to be passionate, too, in it. 
Like, that's how I feel, like, my experiences. And it's just, like, I've been through all this, and I have, I feel like I have a lot to offer. Like, my music is really good. If you follow me, I'm available on all platforms, Timaz, T-Y-M-A-Z. I have a lot of great content on my Instagram socials, at Timaz9, T-Y-M-A-Z, number nine. And it's just, yeah, man, it's just, like, I don't even know what else I can. No, you, I mean, what you said, impossible is, is not impossible, right? It's, it's it, that word shouldn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Impossible is something we use to limit ourselves. I mean, Elon Musk is worth three hundred billion dollars today, right? I'm yeah. sure many people told him. In fact, there was a time where he was caught crying because his mentors told him what he was doing was not possible, right? And he just had to decide that they're wrong. And mm-hmm. you did the same. You you taught your body. You told your body <laughs> that what it's trying to do isn't possible. You know, you told your body when you were bent over in a wheelchair, immobile, joint stiff, that this is not the final answer. Right, that there's another way to get through this, and you found it, and you did it, and you went through the pain. I can't imagine the amount of pain, you know, literally like fourth degree burns, head to toe. Not yeah. literally that you were burnt, but that level of tension and injury to the skin. And to gain the range of motion, like my like physio, my things is like, it's like literally getting an armbar. Like basically, one person just holds me down, stuck in like a thing, and just like, I, when I say I rip my body to be able to move it, like I literally ripped it, like you know, like. Your arm doesn't go more than straight. Try making your arm more than straight, like yeah. and then pulling on so that. So literally, like my arm does this. Yeah. Now I gotta train it to break the joint. Like and try go. make your elbow like go till here. Yeah, now. go the other way. That's literally what you did. Yeah. Millimeter by millimeter by millimeter. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. people don't realize the struggle. The struggle was real, but we're here. You know yeah. that's why. And I got a story, and I'm like, I'm excited for the future, man. I have a lot to offer, man. That's awesome. Well, time has this. It's awesome that you joined us, and I want everyone to hear your story. You know, and first of all you you know what you and your family did is incredible i think that your mindset is the biggest part of the story right that's what got you there because it's pretty clear even just listening to you that without the wiring and the power here maybe you would have had a different outcome but i also have to say that what we have in terms of healthcare for this type of thing right because we often criticize it as people that work on chronic disease that the healthcare system sucks and it won't help you and yeah so there's certain areas where we could be doing a better job but a story like yours, roll back 60, 70, 80, 90 years, very different outcome, right? Mm-hmm. So the technology we have today, sick kids and the work that they do, incredible. We're, we're very blessed to be in a city like Toronto that has a facility like that, probably one of the top in the world in terms of yeah. childcare, yeah. right? And you're very lucky that that's unfortunately where you had this problem, but you had the one best. of the best groups to go to. And like, that's what I say too, like, you know, like, if it wasn't for them I wouldn't be here and then even with all that the best things I was still feeling like you know yeah still had to push through yeah yeah well thanks man it's awesome you came here thanks for sharing your story uh, I you know push everybody to go listen to your music if they want because your story is in your music you know and that's that's where you'll keep communicating to people and keep sharing more well thank you for having yeah. me